from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. That's pages, page 1103 in our Bibles. Acts 11, 1 to 18 on page 1103. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticised him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So, if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you in church rather than across the hall teaching the kids. Make sure you keep your Bibles open at Acts chapter 11 as we'll be delving deeply into what it has to say to us today. Uh, but before I start, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it has to teach us. And we pray that you will open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say and to put it into practice. Amen. Imagine this. Imagine you're out with a group of friends and you're having a good time. Now, these are your close friends. They're people you like. They're people you get on with. They're people with whom you share a whole lot of common interests. They're your close friends. But then that person shows up. You know the one. The person who's a little bit socially awkward, always says the wrong thing at the wrong time and is really quite embarrassing. None of you really like this person but they've shown up anyway. You're not even sure who invited them in the first place. What do you do? Do you pretend that you didn't notice them and try and slip out the back door? Do you make some excuse about your cat needing to be vaccinated and so you leave? 
What happens then if that person is actually your brother? Does that change how you react to them? Probably depends on your relationship with your brother. Well, today in Acts chapters 10 and 11, we see what happens when God invites that person to be a part of the church and what he has to say about including people and about his own son in the process. So Acts chapters 10 and 11 actually records one of the most significant events in the history of the early church, the inclusion of the Gentiles, or non-Jewish people, into God's kingdom. Now, throughout the whole Old Testament, there has been one or two Gentiles who have been included as a part of God's kingdom, Rahab and Ruth being two of the most famous examples. But here, in Acts chapters 10 and 11, God is opening the floodgates wholesale, saying the Gentiles can be a part of my kingdom, no strings attached. But in order for that to happen, there was quite a lot of social and cultural barriers that needed to be broken down before the Jewish Christians could accept them. And this is where we get our story today. And we're going to have a look at three of the main characters in the story, and we're going to see that what they have to learn in order to accept the Gentiles is still very relevant to life and faith in the church today. First character we meet is Peter. Now, Peter's come a long way since we first met him. When we first met him in the Gospels, he was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus called him, and he started following him. He became a disciple. He's known for his hot-headedness and his enthusiasm more than his tact. But he was there. He was enthusiastic and he tried really hard. But then, when Jesus was on trial, Peter denied even knowing him three times. But since then, he's been restored to his place as an apostle. He has become the apostle's chief spokesperson and their de facto leader. But now, God is about to ask him to do what he considers unthinkable, to go to the house of a Roman centurion and spread the message of Jesus. You see, this is unthinkable because not only is Cornelius a Gentile, and Jews were never supposed to associate with Gentiles, they would become unclean, but he's a Roman soldier. Israel is not a free country, at at this time. They don't rule themselves. They have been conquered variously by the Greeks, the Babylonians, and now the Romans have taken over. And Cornelius, well, he's an officer in in the Roman army whose job is to quash any budding rebellions with great force. It's the equivalent of asking a Palestinian person to go to the house of a general from the Israeli army. It just wouldn't happen. These two groups of people don't mix. They don't like each other, and they're never going to talk to one another. Well, that's why it takes God three direct interventions in Peter's life before he starts to listen. First of all, we have the vision of the sheet coming down from heaven, where God starts preparing Peter for what he's about to do. Then we're told that the Spirit directly tells Peter, go with the messengers that Cornelius has sent. And then later, we hear that Cornelius only sent the messengers because God told him to in the first place. Three direct interventions to get Peter from where he was at Simon's house all the way to Cornelius' house. 
That's how stuck in his thinking Peter was. Because Peter needed to learn a lesson. And that lesson is found in verse 9. Have a look. The voice from heaven spoke a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Peter was so stuck in his ideas about who the people of God should be and what it should look like to be in his kingdom that he had forgotten that it's not up to him to decide who gets to hear the message of Jesus. God gets to decide that. It is God alone who gets to decide who is in his kingdom. We don't get to decide who is worthy to, to hear the message. Unfortunately, there have been times in my life when I can think of people who I should have shared my faith with, who I should have offered to read the Bible with. But for one reason or another, I had decided before I even asked, no, it's not worth asking. They would never say yes to that. They wouldn't be interested. Well, that's not for me to decide. My job, our job, is to spread the message of Jesus whenever God gives us the opportunity, not to decide that that person would say no, and yes, maybe they would if you asked. But even so, our job is to try. God may surprise us. And this forces us to ask, are there any Corneliuses in your life? People who you can see that God is prompting you to read the Bible with or share your faith with, but someone who you've decided beforehand that they would say no, there's no possible way they would be interested. They work for the wrong company. They vote for the wrong political party. They have the wrong ideas about social justice. There's no way they'd be interested in hearing the gospel. Well, God's message to us today is that's not for us to decide. Our job is to tell them anyway and see what happens. And the reason we don't get to decide who gets to hear the message of Jesus and who doesn't is because we did nothing to earn our place in God's kingdom in the first place. And that's a point that's perfectly illustrated by Cornelius himself, the second character who shows up in our story. You see, Cornelius, as I said, is a Roman soldier, and he's from the Italian regiment. So, he's an officer in the Roman army who was probably born in Italy. But then, in chapter 10, we find out something quite interesting about Cornelius. In chapter 10, verse 2, it tells us this. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Cornelius looks to be a good person. He treats God properly. He prays regularly. He gives generously with his money. Probably shows up to church on time. He's the type of person who, if he was around today, would be a successful upper-middle-class person with a good, stable family life, a good job, the type of person who'd actually remember to call his mum on her birthday. But God has a message for him. What could God possibly have to say to someone like Cornelius? Maybe God's showing up to give him a pat on the back and say, hey, good job, keep it up, you're doing well. Well, no, if you have a look back at chapter 11 in verses 13 and 14, we can see exactly what God said to Cornelius. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. 
despite all of Cornelius' generosity, despite his prayers, despite the fact that he is a good person, he's still not saved. He's still not in a right relationship with God. He needed a message from God to understand that. And what did Peter have to say to him? Well, we see what Peter had to say to him in chapter 10, verse 43. All the prophets testify about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins in his name. You see, without the saving death and resurrection of Jesus, all of Cornelius' good behaviour means nothing. He wasn't saved until he heard the message of Jesus and trusted that Jesus had taken the punishment that he deserved and had risen to new life. You see, God is our creator and our rightful king and ruler. Every time we ignore him, every time we pretend he doesn't exist and try to live life our own way, we commit treason against that king, and that treason deserves punishment. But Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, has taken the punishment that we so rightly deserved. He has opened the way for us to fix our broken relationship with God. And now, when we stand before God, we no longer do so as his enemies, but as his beloved sons and daughters. This was the message that Cornelius needed to hear. He needed to hear that his good works and his prayers and his generosity weren't putting him in a right relationship with God. The only person who could do that was Jesus. He needed to hear that trusting in the death and resurrection of Christ was the only thing that could fix his relationship with God and save him in the future. And there's one more character in this story who shows up who has to teach us about what it looks like to live life as God's church. And that is... The, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem at the time. You see, when they heard that Cornelius and his family had come to know God, they weren't excited by the fact that someone new had become a Christian. They weren't praising Peter for his initiative. They criticised him. And we can see that criticism in verse 3. You went to the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. You see, for these Christians, it didn't matter that Cornelius and his household had just become Christians. To them, Cornelius was still a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God, and good, proper Christians should have nothing to do with them. They had forgotten that because we did nothing to earn our place in God's kingdom, that there is no such thing as a second-class Christian. And Peter outlines that quite clearly when he rebukes them and he says, the same spirit that came on the apostles at Pentecost is the very same spirit who came on Cornelius and his household and still comes on Christians today. This means even today there is no such thing as a second-class Christian because we all share in the same spirit of God. We are all brothers and sisters and we need to make sure that we're treating each other like the brothers and sisters that they are. 
You may not always intentionally exclude people from the kingdom of God like these Jewish Christians were, but have a think. Who do you invite to your Bible studies? Who do you talk to at morning tea after church? Who do you invite round to your house for lunch or dinner? Is it all the same type of people? All the people that you get on with? All the people about your same age? Do you only invite people around who have kids or who don't have kids? Do you only invite people who are younger than you? Maybe you only talk to people who are older than you so you can feel a little bit younger. <laughs> or do you talk to everyone? Do you talk to the person that no one's talking to? Do you invite round the awkward person? Do you talk to the person who does that job, who votes for that party? There will always be differences in Christians. God equips us all differently to serve in his church in very different ways. God calls us in different ways. We all have different stories, likes and interests. But none of those differences make us any more or less saved than the other person next to us. You see, we all have the shame spirit. That means even though you have nothing in common with the person next to you in church, they are still your brother or your sister. And that means we need to treat them that way and not ignore them. Acts chapters 10 and 11 teaches us some very valuable lessons about what it means to live in the modern church. There are three different groups of people, all of whom needed to learn a lesson. Who are you in this story? Maybe you're a little bit like Peter, and God's lesson for you is, it's not up to you to decide who gets to hear the message of Jesus. You don't get to make that choice. That choice is God's alone. We are just God's messengers. Our job is to faithfully share our faith whenever God gives us the opportunity with whomever God gives us the opportunity to do so. Maybe you're a little bit like the Jewish Christians in the Jerusalem church then you need to hear that everyone who is a Christian is your brother and sister. There is no such thing as a second-class Christian. And we need to treat everyone in the church like the brothers and sisters that they truly are. Or maybe you're a little bit like Cornelius. Well, then you need to hear that your good works and your generosity will not save you. They will not fix your relationship with God. Only trusting in the saving death and resurrection of Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can fix your relationship with God. We all come here in different ways. We all have different stories. God has brought us into his family in many various ways. But now that we are here, we are all brothers and sisters. We are all God's messengers. And our job is to treat each other like brothers and sisters. Our job is to share the message of Jesus with whoever will listen to us because it is faith in Jesus alone that will save us. Please pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you that you have called us into your family and pray that you'll help us to treat each other in the way they deserve. Amen.